0: You haven't even heard me preach yet. You, are you sure? I don't know. Well, it is good to be here. It's uh, People say, it's good to see you. I'm like, hey, it's good to be seen. And so welcome to you here in the West Auditorium, those worshiping in the East Auditorium, as well as online. Uh, and if you are newer with us, apparently so am I, so you're in good company. Uh, but wherever you're at, I'd invite you to turn in a Bible, if you have one, to Mark chapter 9. And, um, you know, it's funny, some of the weird insecurities that can creep in when I would say stepping away from the day-to-day operations of really anything you're used to being a part of. Uh, First, you're faced with the uh, sobering fun fact that the world does revolve just fine without you, um, which is always a little humbling. Uh, Two, really this past week, just coming back with the staff and just, I'd say kind of, I've been saying, merging into oncoming traffic, checking my blind spots, making sure I'm staying in my lane and and getting back uh, in the the rhythm of things here. And then third, this very moment. Uh, This moment where I'm thinking to myself, okay, this sermon probably shouldn't be terrible. That would be, that'd be good. And I'm thinking, if you're thinking, he's like, you know, he had all summer to prepare this one. This is all he's got. Uh, okay. This guy's the next lead pastor. Okay. Well, we'll just, we'll roll with it. And, and really, as I was considering that in this topic that we have for today in this new series, this whole series on prayer, I was just, you know, going to start from like a, that blinking cursor on that white screen. You're thinking, man, what in the world Am I possibly going to say on the subject of prayer that if you've been around church for even a minute, you haven't already heard? You know, it's like, what am I going to say? Like, hey, you should pray. Because God God hears your prayers. And it's like, man, I've been a Christian 20 years. No one's ever told me that. It's like, that's not going to happen. And so as I think about what there is new to say about the topic of prayer and realizing there probably isn't a whole lot new under the sun, I've decided... That's okay. That's okay because there probably shouldn't be anything new necessarily. And Maybe for newer church, it might be newer too. But more so in the words of the Apostle Paul when it comes to truth, he so often said in his letters to churches, he said, let me remind you, he would say. Let me remind you of the gospel. Let me remind you of the truth that you, you already know and draw that out of you. And then from there, encourage you in that. And that's what we want to do in this series, that where you feel stuck when it comes to your relationship with God and prayer being that kind of gateway to it, uh, not the new under the sun, but more uh, a reminder of what is already true and to be an encouragement to you in that. And so in an effort to, you could say right out of the gate, practice what we preach, Uh, I want to ask you to join me in prayer uh, regarding a text that I received yesterday afternoon from one of our former students. Uh, She's in the military, and she texted, Hey, Brian, I'm sure you have seen everything that is happening overseas right now. I was hoping that you could pray for my unit, my battalion, uh, who just had people leave, and my husband, who's also in the military. They are all deployed right now. I would really love it if you could have people pray for you or excuse me, pray for them to be safe. And so that's, that's us. We are the people that she's asking. Uh, to pray that they would be safe, to pray for their families also who have lost their Marines. Such a heavy time right now over here. We could definitely use some prayers. Thank you. And so uh, may we together do that. I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we've already identified in our time together, the idea of having the words um, and not having the words, is the kind of situation where that makes perfect sense because we, there aren't words that add up or make sense or know what to ask or how to say it or what to say. And that's okay because as we're learning already that prayer is not about the words that we say, it's about who we're placing our trust in when we offer up whatever words we can muster up. And so, Father, that's what we do. We lay this situation not with our words but with our uh, this expression of our trust in you, the sovereignty of who you are, the goodness of who you are, uh, the knowing of what you have that goes beyond our understanding. We are asking, God, for you to do um, un- unstoppable things uh, that we goes, I guess, beyond we could ask or imagine as we lift up um, our servicemen and our servicewomen to you and uh, everything going on on the other side of the planet right now, Father, for those families who have lost loved ones this past week, Father, we lay that at your feet, not knowing what to say, but trusting that you who knows, knows what to do. And so we ask, God, um, in faith, that you would would move mountains, that you would do things uh, that is beyond what we could even know to ask for. And in light of that, God, we also take Jesus at his word, at his teaching, that we also at the same time, we pray for our enemies, uh, that whatever feelings, frustrations, anger that we have within God, we lay that at you, and we recognize that something like the Apostle Paul, uh, who persecuted followers of you, and then something like scales fell from his eyes, and then he ends up you know, leading the missionary efforts and starting the church. God, we, we would ask for miracle, for something like scales to fall from the eyes of others, God, that they as created in your image that wherever everyone is at relative to you, that you would use these experiences to draw them closer to you and the work that you want to do in situations, in lives, and in our world. We lay this before you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we step into doing that more is really the goal, right? To, to, to trust God more with whatever it is that we have when it comes to this idea of prayer. Here's our goal. Number one, first, we want to remind you of what's true about prayer. And that trueness is that it is a gift. That it is a simple gift of prayer to be able to be in communication with God, uh, Because when we make it more complicated, and I'll speak for myself on this, when I make it more complicated, then I find ironically the more I try to figure out prayer, the less praying I actually end up doing. It's like uh, I get stuck in this prayerlessness. And sometimes I think prayer can become um, almost this thing that we try to uh, understand rather than just do. For example, um, like, it's like explaining a joke. Like, if you ever have to explain the humor in a joke, you kind of lose the point of the joke, you know what I mean? And there's this, um, there's this quote about humor. It says that humor, it can be dissected as a frog, but the thing dies in the process. And I would argue the same is true of prayer, that prayer, it can be dissected as can a frog, but we can also kill the thing in the process. And so when we dissect prayer, when we treat it as like this vault that we're stuck on the other side of, that we have to crack the code to get into, that we're trying to figure it out, how to pray, what I should say, what's the perfect formula, it is this um, block that really keeps us from actually getting to pray. And so... A book that has really helped in my understanding, uh, and it's actually something we read in our men's mentoring ministry as well as an entire staff that's kind of unlocked, I would say, some of the stuckness that we have felt in prayer, is a book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Uh, And it's a book available for purchase in the cafe if it's something you're interested in. It's kind of served as an inspiration for this series. Uh, But he says it this way. He says that hyper-focusing on prayer, he says it's like trying to drive while staring at the windshield rather than through it, to the road ahead. And to me that resonates because we get stuck on focusing on the windshield of prayer and can often miss that it is a a tool, a windshield, to look forward to the road ahead, to uh, the, you could say, the, um, the road to the relationship with God that you signed on for in the first place, or if you're here maybe exploring, signing on for at all. And so I just want to remind you of the truth of that's what prayer is, a simple gift. And then from there, be a positive encouragement in that. To be an encouragement. And that word encouragement is really important because I think one of the greatest tools of the enemy to disconnect us from Satan, to disconnect us from relationship with God is to convince us that it does need to be more complicated and to be discouraged rather than encouraged. To feel guilt when it comes to prayer. And guilt never draws us. It always pushes us away. To feel guilty about prayer. And it's easy to feel that way. I mean, I If you were to ask me, you know, you do this for a living, whatever, and you were to say, hey, Brian, how would you describe your prayer life? I don't feel like I'm ever going to say, like, yeah, I got this. I mean, that's just not the expression of the feeling that I have when it comes. I feel like it's almost like carrying, like, when it comes to praying, I feel like it's like going to work with really bad allergies, and it's been a bad allergy year this year. It's like you have all the symptoms, like you feel like sluggish, you're blowing your nose, you're sniffling, and you're snuffling, and you're kind of gross, and no one wants to be around you. Uh, And it's like you don't feel good, but you kind of just muddle along anyway. And I know it's a weird analogy, but for me that's what I think prayer feels like. I don't necessarily ever feel like great about it, but I muddle along anyway. It's like I I pray sometimes, but it's always like, do I really pray enough? Or, um, you know, I'll tell someone, hey, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers, which if you're like me, sometimes that translates into the only thought I have was after the fact and how I forgot to pray for you, and so I feel guilty that I didn't keep you in my prayers. Uh, Or if you actually start praying, it's like, okay, am I praying with enough faith or the right kind of faith? And am I even doing this right? And am I saying the right words? Like, did I make sure that I included enough these and thines and how great thou art? You know, like, somehow in the back of my my brain, like, does God speak 17th century King James Old English? Is that that what he wants to hear from me? I just, and then all that happens is like, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that all adult ADD is something I might want to get checked out now, (laughs) which is triggered only by prayer and nothing else. And so the last thing that we need, and frankly, that our Father in heaven wants from us, is to feel guilt and insecurity about Prayer, I'm convinced it's one of Satan's greatest underhanded tactics to convince us it's something we can't do and block us from him. Because what God wants in his word, he says over and over, we could do tons of verses, is the exact opposite. But one quick example, the writer of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he says, You can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. He's like, you can come to me with confidence. You can not feel guilty, but feel good about coming to me. I never grow tired of hearing from you. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your prayers. And so may we, as a result, be reminded of the truth and encouraged in that truth to get unstuck and move forward and actually getting past the windshield and through the road ahead to a praying relationship with our God. And as I think about a passage that, for me, is arguably maybe my favorite interaction that Jesus has when it comes to this idea of faith and prayer and how all that works, it's in our passage today, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. It's this interaction of asking between a dad and Jesus. And so follow along with me, uh, starting in verse 14, Mark chapter 9. It says that when they came to the other disciples, uh, so this is Jesus. He had been off with Peter, James, John. They're coming back, and they're hooking back up with the rest of the group. It says they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I have brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus, he saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and he came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted, his, lifted him to his feet, and stood him up. Since says that after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples, they, they asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And so the verse I really want us to hone in on, to zero in on, if you're like a highlighter, a note taker, a circler, or whatever the case may be, uh, it's verse 24, where this dad exclaims, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The CEV translation says, I do have faith. Please help me to have even more. And the message paraphrase, the back end of that verse says, help me with my doubts. Because what we see is we see this father just in honest desperation, vulnerable, authentic. Uh, you know, almost you, you kind of read it and thinking, maybe he's even honest to a fault. As, you know, he's got God in the flesh in front of him. And he's kind of like, hey, God, you know, if you can. And it's almost like, ooh, we almost like want to help the guy out just a little bit. Maybe next time you might want to start off with, hey, Jesus, how great thou art. You know, hallowed be your name. Uh, You know, but he doesn't. The dad is just being honest to God, honest with himself. And he just says what is coming out of him. And he says, I do believe But he's like, hey, I know my belief is far from perfect, and so help me with my unbelief. Essentially saying to Jesus, help me get unstuck. Help me get unstuck. I am, you know, leaning into the faith that I do have. I'm giving it to you, and I'm asking you, Jesus, to, like, fill in the gaps, build it up, and do what you can with what I've offered you to get more of what I want of. That's what this man is doing. He is taking the little faith that he has He's offering it over to Jesus and he's saying, fill it in, build it up to give me more of that faith that I'm offering you to get more of. And as I think about that interaction and that dynamic, if you are here in this room, in the East Auditorium, if you're online, that is you. That is me. That this is all of us. This dad There's something about his understanding of where he's at that is in each and every one of us. Um, That you are here today, maybe even subconsciously, but you are here or you are online with some measure of faith. Like a deposit of faith that you're somehow hoping that will be built up based on what you already have to get even more of. And you might say, I don't know that I'm here by faith. I don't know that I am. But I would argue that even if you're struggling to give yourself that much credit here today, that if you were to, you could say, maybe give your your faith like a a temperature uh, with zero degrees being like ice cold, no faith at all. And then say the other extreme, like a 100 degrees white hot faith, you know, 120 heat index kind of faith that every one of us is somewhere in between. Uh, we are somewhere we are. And again, you might not be giving yourself that much credit, but you are warmer than zero because you walked in the room. You walked in the room, you logged in, and you're saying, again, maybe not consciously, but I'm bringing whatever I have, hoping that there's something that is going to be returned on that fact. Almost like a, a deposit, if you were. You're taking what little faith you have, whether it's a, just a few degrees, and you're saying, okay, Jesus, maybe it's just an if-you-can kind of faith. It might even be a... Okay, God, if you're really even there kind of prayer, be encouraged because that in and of itself is a step of faith. It is really all that you need, just a little bit of faith to get unstuck, to get unstuck in your prayers, to get unstuck in that prayer that is a windshield that you got to get past in order to just step forward in your relationship with God. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe that's where you are at. Um, you have, uh, as Jesus called it, uh, a mustard seed of faith, which is like a crumb. Uh, in fact, in the same story in the account of Matthew, in that version, uh, there's, it says that Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it says you can move mountains, which was an expression in those days, meaning you can do great things. I love the song by Mercy Me that takes from those lines of Jesus. You might have heard it. Uh, The lyrics say, they say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. And in confession, uh, the artist says, well, it's a good thing. Because a little faith is all I have right now. And so a little bit of faith is all we need. According to Jesus, this isn't my way, this is Jesus saying, all you need is a mustard seed to move forward, to get unstuck in your relationship with him. And we see, that we, we see this really in a comparison. If you look again at verse 19, you see really this contrast actually between a little bit of faith and what Jesus has to say uh, to this other kind of faith where, you know, it says, let's see, essentially he's calling out in verse 19 an entire generation. He says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I am still yet to see that Bible verse for sale on Etsy. <laughs> like, and I would say if we were to interpret Jesus' words and uh, overlay them on our generation, I would add a clearing, I guess maybe a, a, a specificity to it for our time if I were to give a word to our generation when it comes to the unbelieving nature that we find in it. And I would say that that word is the word cynicism. That if we were to define unbelieving in our day, it could be wrapped up in the word cynicism. That you could say that we, I think we could agree, we live in an unbelieving, cynical generation. And in many ways, cynicism, I think we could discover, has become almost like the standard operating system of our day. Even to the point where it's almost kind of esteemed. Because it's like you subconsciously conclude that, well, like the cynics, like somehow they know something that the rest of us don't. It's like, they, they got like the inside track, they have the real story behind the story. And in fairness, given the amount of, you could say, biased information with spin and bias and uh, it just feels loaded that it seems like every piece of information that comes our way, we have to wonder, is it a position they're trying to push, an agenda they're trying to angle, or at the very least, maybe something to sell. Because as we consider the opposite of cynicism, you might say, okay, well, I don't want to be like, you know, instead like naive, gullible, like this like um, kind of blind, flighty optimist uh, because it ends up like getting manipulated and taken advantage of. I mean, because who of us wants to be that? But as we consider what cynicism is doing, not just in our day, but what you could say maybe a deep side effect of cynicism, is the reality that it is infiltrating our faith and our prayers. Cynicism infiltrates our faith and our prayers to God. Uh, Of which, I I will confess, I am at the front of the line when it comes to these these thoughts. Maybe the most basic one would, would be one that we've probably shared at some point, and that is, okay, does prayer actually make a difference? Like, I mean, maybe it changes me, but does prayer actually change the outcomes of things that would have otherwise happened differently had I not prayed? Like, does that really happen? And then let's say prayer does make a difference. You know, it's hard not to think that my prayers seem a whole lot less important given all the other stuff that God should be maybe answering in our world. And then let's let's go as far as say, okay, say maybe one of my prayers does get answered. Sometimes it's hard not to wonder. Would it have happened anyway? A young adult uh, blogger, she wrote this, uh, speaking to this topic. She says, our generation's defining characteristic is cynicism, but that is a double-edged sword, she says. It protects you from crushing disappointment but it also paralyzes you from doing anything. Cynicism is a double-edged sword. It can protect you from crushing disappointment, but at the same time, it also paralyzes you from doing anything. And so the question I have is, these are only two choices? Like, do we have to choose either, hey, we're going to be suspicious cynics, Or live in oblivion of naive optimism? Like, are these our only two options before us in the way to approach and live our life? Well, I would argue that Jesus, in his interaction with this man, he shows us a different way. Not a middle way, but a complete third way that is neither naive nor cynical. Looking again at our passage. Okay, we have this father, right, who is... Desperate for his son to be healed and freed of this evil spirit. And candidly, it's a setting that's quite right for cynicism. Verse 18 again, the dad says to Jesus, hey, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not do it. Leaving, I would assume, naturally this man doubting, does asking even make a difference? But asking Jesus, you could say, this dad, he puts one faith foot in front of the other, Anyway, And he asked Jesus, verse 22, he says, But if you can do anything, take pity. Other translations say, have compassion on us and help us. And then Jesus, in compassion and love, uh, not just for the son, but also for this father. And we would say maybe his fragile faith in that moment. Jesus, he, he disciples him. He draws out of him this different way. Not just naive optimism, not just, you know, suspicious cynicism, and he gives them a new way to choose faith. To choose faith. And the way that Jesus disciples him and draws this out of him, he repeats the man's uh, question back to him by saying, uh, if you can, replies Jesus, and then compassionately, lovingly teaches the man the truth, that everything is possible for one who believes Uh, which is then followed by maybe my favorite verse in the Bible. I think I would put this on on an Etsy piece of art because I think when it comes to the topic of faith and prayer and doesn't make a difference, and I want it to make a difference, but if it doesn't turn out the way that I want it to turn out, I don't want to be left with disappointment. And he says what I think is in each and every one of us, I do believe, but also help me overcome where my unbelief is. I do have faith, but use that Jesus to help me to have even more. And so... That's what Jesus does. He takes this investment, this deposit of faith, and Jesus takes it, this mustard seed, and he moves a mountain. He moves a mountain in this man's life. Verse 27, Jesus lifts up the boy and puts him on his feet. And I think we see simultaneously Jesus is lifting up this man's faith. Uh, his fragile faith, he's raising the temperature and he props back on its feet this man's faith. Now, as great of a story as that is, the question that's kind of the, I will, maybe the ugly underbelly of that, that it's kind of like the question behind the question um, is what about when you pray and you offer up an otherwise immovable mountain to God, And you, with all the mustard seeds you can muster up, offer those to God in prayer. But the mountain does not move. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And he goes on, he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask him. And so today, if you feel like you're hanging on by a mustard seed of faith, like that one degree Fahrenheit temperature kind of faith, because you asked, you asked for a fish, you asked for bread. But it feels like you received a stone, you got a snake, what do we do with that? These are difficult questions, they're not just cognitive questions, these are real life and faith, tough, tough questions that we are going to be digging into as we continue to move through this series. Uh, but with that, where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we take the tough questions, the in between, our mustard seed of faith, our low temperature, medium temperature, wherever? What do we do with that? What's our first step? Well, according to Jesus, it's to take whatever it is we have, first step, one faith foot in front of the other, and pray. To get to praying. This is Jesus' response to the disciples. This is what he says when they said, hey, how come we couldn't do it? Jesus ends this passage, ends this this text by responding, this kind can only come out by prayer. And what's interesting about that response is that prior to this moment in Mark, in the gospel of Mark, the word prayer has actually only been used two times prior. And both times it was used to describe Jesus having uh, time in prayer, in relationship with the Father, off on his own. And so um, theologians and commentators suggest that Jesus is pointing out to his disciples where they were operating, you could say, in limited resources, their own limited resources, their own strength, their own abilities, rather than rooted in the relationship that comes from prayer with God. And so lots of questions remain. Lots of questions remain, and there's plenty of prayer frog to dissect yet for for certain. But regardless of the question, and regardless of the questions, according to Jesus, our next step to pray seems to be the answer. Theologian and uh, author Richard Foster, who's written volumes of books on prayer, uh, when forced to boil it down to how... We can learn to pray, how we can get to praying, uh, to really do what this series is saying, to get unstuck, teach me to pray. Foster replies simply this. We learn to pray by praying. That's it. I wish I had to talk for 30 minutes to say the simple thing, but that's, that's, what, that's how it works, right? We learn to pray. You want to get to praying, then start Praying. We learn to pray by praying. We learn to pray by getting our eyes off, all blurry-eyed, staring at the uh, you know, the bugs on the windshield. And we get past the windshield, through the windshield, to the road ahead, uh, to really the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus, as it says in the book of Hebrews. We fix our eyes on him, it says. And so to make that practical, I want to offer you for this week a simple encouragement, uh, a gift that prayer is designed to be to help you just get going, get praying, kind of steal the words from Nike, just do it, just pray uh, over the next of this this week. It's not going to be a formula, it's not a system, it's not a a program, it's not an event. It is just an invitation to you this week to take one minute to message God every day for the next seven days. That's uh, That's the invitation. A minute to message God every day for the next seven days. And as I say a minute to message God, it would be helpful to think about it. How do you message or communicate Like with anyone else in your life, you know, for a lot of us, maybe you're a a drive time, pick up the phone and offer a quick call to somebody. Maybe um, it's like your social media app du jour. You do a direct message on that. Uh, Or maybe it's a quick email or shoot off a text or uh, maybe like a loved one in the house. You write a little, you know, note on a sticky note to your kids or something like that. That how is it, again, let's not make this more complicated than it needs to be. How is it that you would communicate with anyone else for a minute in your life? I would encourage you just to let that be the way you will communicate. communicate with God for a minute, a day, for the next seven days. To get unstuck, to start praying by actually just praying. And so you might for you be like, you know, I, I don't know how you text God, but you could get the like notes app and maybe you just message it off like it was a text or maybe you're just you're scratching off something on a sticky note. Whatever the medium is, it doesn't matter. It's just how can you get it out? How can you get actually praying? And so to help you in that. Uh, I love reminders. It's like, you know, how you put stuff by the door before you leave. So you take it with you when you go. Uh, I have something to put in front of the door of your prayer life. And as you leave here in the East Auditorium, in the West Auditorium, people to be handing out these little cards. It just simply says, uh, let's talk. God. And let it just serve as a reminder, a prompt. Uh, for those online, there's like a digital version of that. And in fact, all of us can get the digital version of this uh, if you go to firstdecater.org unstuck. And there's um, a little phone background here that uh, might be helpful for you because uh, they say, they, the experts, whoever they are, they say that we touch our phones on average 2,600 times a day. How crazy is that? So let's just say 1%, one out of every 100, that this actually catches your attention. Well, that's 26 minutes or moments with God in a day. That could really unlock some cool things. I put this on last night after the service. And it's been, honestly, it's been pretty cool. Using these little moments just to offer up prayers right then and there for whatever has my attention. And so I'd encourage you just get going. Again, I wish I had to talk for so long. Maybe you do too. To say the same simple thing, (laughs) to just go and start praying to get started. And if you're anything like me, you love checking off something on the list before you even make your list. And so we're going to take care of today, right here, right now for you. And so I would encourage you to grab, in the East term. I think there's some slips of paper and some pens. In here, you might want to just grab like an offering envelope and you can write on the back, it's okay, you can do that. Uh, or maybe it's just your phone, the notes section, or maybe just in the quietness of your heart, like you would a phone call. You might want to keep it down, I don't know. But uh, we're just going to give you the next minute to just have a moment with God and just don't worry about what you're saying. Just be honest. I mean, it could be a, as, you know, hey, God, it's been a while. Um, you know, I, I want to believe that this makes a difference. I look forward to talking to you this week. Uh, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's okay. He knows. He knows. And the good news is we'll look at this a little bit more next week. How crazy it is that he, he doesn't just tolerate our prayers. Um, You know, I'm I'm a dad, sometimes I tolerate my kids coming to me, um, but that he actually wants to. He never, there's all kinds of parables, he never grows tired of hearing from you, uh, from us, his children. And so let it go, let it rip, and be reminded, be encouraged in faith that you are offering, that your faith can be built up, that you are not alone, that he is with you, that God hears our prayers. And so let's take a minute, all of us, whatever that means for you, the best way to do that over the next minute. Thank you for teaching us to pray. Father, thank you for the gift of prayer. And now, Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers.